So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're in the Lord's Prayer. Everybody know that prayer? Yep, it's pretty easy. So two weeks ago, we were talking about thy kingdom come. I want to read this really quickly before we go on. Jesus is talking about how to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the prayer in the New American Standard. It says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That's in some transcripts, not in others. We just happen to be reading out of the NIV. It doesn't matter that it's not in there or in one. It's just a reiteration of what we talked about two weeks ago. And that's what I want to kind of bring us back to where we were two weeks ago because I've divided the Lord's Prayer into two sections. And, um, and uh, in James chapter 5, it says, the, right, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And Jesus was the greatest righteous man ever to be a man and have the ability to sin and did not. And so when he teaches us how to pray, because his prayers were effective, because he was uh, righteous, uh, we should listen. So I want to go back and talk about the first part uh, of what we we're talking about, our review uh, from two weeks ago. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in this. Uh, it's not just a review. It's kind of just to get us caught up again uh, from Easter. The first thing we talked about was the intimacy of the gospel. And we divided this into three sections, reach, restore, and respond. It's our mission statement for Living Spring Christian Fellowship, to reach our community and the, uh, our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so we kind of went through the beginning of the Lord's Prayer and divided it into this section. The first was the intimacy of the gospel, to reach our Father. Jesus says, when you pray, start out with our Father. That is a very intimate relationship there. And some of us in our, in our prayers at different times in our lives or whatever miss the intimacy of it being with God. It's just a kind of a rote thing. Instead of like my kids running up and saying, Daddy, and hugging me, I'm glad you're here. We miss that sometimes in our life, in our prayer life. And Jesus was saying, start out with the intimacy of the gospel. Our Father, He's our Heavenly Father. And we talked a little bit uh, about two week, uh, a week before this one about uh, going to your secret place. Remember we talked about that? Did everyone do okay with that? We, we kind of raised our hands and said we were going to do better. I, I did better, and it was awesome. And one of the things that was amazing to me when I was in my secret place, I won't tell you where it is because it's a secret, okay? Uh, it, one of the things that was so amazing was just to feel the intimacy of being with my Heavenly Father. He says he'll see you in secret. It was just the two of us. It was like a going out, with your dad to go to Home Depot or something. There's that intimacy. It's the intimacy of the gospel. The second thing uh, was the authority of the gospel. And we talked about this dichotomy of having a loving father that, that is awesome. Uh, and and, and, and he, we're so intimate, we call him daddy. But then who's in heaven? <laughs> Hallowed be your name. In other words, we set your name apart. We want to glorify that name. So we have the intimacy of knowing God, but that he's also an authority figure. <clears throat> and that goes into the restore part of our mission. Everyone in this room, including myself, is going through a restoration process in our l- uh, love for Jesus Christ. There are different things that God is saying you need to remove or add in your life. 
That's his authority. That's the in heaven part. So we can't just have a prayer life that's just like, oh, daddy, this is great. I'm going to go do this and that and forget that he's got authority. He says, no, you're not going to do that. I don't want you doing that anymore. So we talked about uh, that a little bit. And uh, we talked about coupling the intimacy of God and the authority of God. And we do that with, with uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, too. It's all through the Trinity. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. There's that intimacy there. But he also convicts us of sin. There's the authority. Jesus is our Savior. There's an intimacy there. He laid down his life for us. He says, uh, I call you friend now. But he's also our Lord. There's authority there. We talked about that last week with Easter. Jesus journeys with us. He comes alongside of us. He listens to us. But there comes a time when he says, now it's my turn to speak. So it's not just our Father. It's also our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And then we talked about the summary of the gospel. That's to respond. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. This means we respond to a move of the Spirit. Anyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ is part of this eternal kingdom. And so when God says to move or to do something or to serve, we respond. Your kingdom come. As soon as God says, look, here's what I want you to do. I want to mobilize you over here. We say, okay, Lord, your kingdom come. Too often I pray my kingdom come, right? Oh, Lord, please, please let us get that thing. Or please let my house payment go down. Or please, you know. And God's going, we're going to, remember we talked about this? I'm going to take what you had for a retirement plan and, and I'm completely removing it because I'm going to build something different there. And we go, oh man, that's brutal. Thy kingdom come, your kingdom come. So uh, we talked about praying like a game of risk. And I, I, when I pray, sometimes it's like I'm playing the game risk and I'm, just every prayer is a roll of the dice, hoping that I can take over kind of the, the countries around me. Oh, if I can get this, my co- the college fund all together and my retirement and come on, Lord, give me snake eyes. Here we go, you know, and trying to get it all figured out. My kingdom come, Lord, come on. You know, we want this. And the Lord comes in and he just dumps the whole game over and he sits down. And he says, we need to talk. We're not playing games anymore. I want you to respond to a move of the Spirit. It's my kingdom, and I've got something completely different than you have. That's scary, but isn't it so freeing to have his kingdom on our minds instead of ours? We don't have to work it out anymore. Man, I love it. We uh, coined this term uh, two weeks ago, think eternally, act immediately. Think globally, act locally. We took a play on that well we didn't i did and so now now we did okay but think eternally have an eternal mindset what 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 can i do for the kingdom of god and then act immediately act right now how can i invest in the kingdom how can i pour into people i want to get into a small group whatever the lord's asking you to do so we go from here uh thy kingdom come uh, thy will be done to all of us our daily bread. <laughs> I mean, what a change in focus, right? Because we're praying your kingdom, your kingdom, your, not my kingdom, your kingdom. 
But now, oh, give us this day our daily bread. So we're going to uh, move into that. I didn't know if you knew this. This picture I have up here is uh, uh, a, a picture from the news um, just last week. And uh, in, there's a food crisis right now in uh, a lot of the areas of the world. Uh, the price of wheat and corn is skyrocketing. And Egypt, uh, its bread has risen 37%. And this is a, a, um, a picture of them passing out bread in Egypt. Haiti's doing much worse, of course. And, uh, but for a number of different reasons, uh, food prices are rising. I don't know if you see it so much uh, in the grocery store. I know we went to Costco yesterday and something was rising because, my good gracious, that was a big bill. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what was that all about? I probably shouldn't have bought the golf clubs. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> that's the problem with Costco, you know, because you buy stuff and you're like, man, my food bill was $400. It's like, you bought a desk, bro. That's why. you got. Oh, yeah, I needed a desk. Anyway, I'm totally digressing. But we don't think in America, give us this day our daily bread. I I mean, I don't. I've been disconnected from that. If we were in Africa, this part of the Lord's Prayer would be more real, wouldn't it? I mean, you you, you just think, what am I going to, how am I going to live? And so when we get to this part, we kind of blow past it, uh, typically, because we really kind of get our own bread. God, thanks, but we got it covered for now. I'll let you know when I need some bread. Otherwise, I'll just go to Costco and get a 50-foot-long loaf of bread that they have there. (laughs) But here's the thing I want us to get. If you're being sustained right now with food, if you're alive, how many here are alive? (laughs) No, I'm kidding around. (laughs) Somebody's just like... If you're alive, if you're being sustained, it's for God's kingdom. This is the mindset of what Jesus is talking about. If you are alive right now, it's for God's kingdom. It's for his glory. When we go to the store and we buy our food and we eat and we're with the family and we're he's sustaining us, it's for his kingdom. James 1.7 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. We know that verse, right? But it goes on, it says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. We're created for a purpose, for his kingdom, for his glory. Now, how well we do in that depends on a lot of different factors. But this is uh, what Jesus is getting down to. Our absolute core, our sustenance, Bread, our daily bread, what keeps us alive in eating is for God's glory, for his kingdom. We just came off of thy kingdom come. Now, Lord, as I live, sustain me for your kingdom is essentially what it's saying. It's a daily acknowledgement that all we have come from him. I was, you know, I get the luxury of kind of going through this over and over and over again during the week and seeing how it lines up with my own life. (laughs) And seeing like when I'm at the store and I'm grabbing stuff, does the Lord even come across my mind? Like if I weren't doing this sermon, would I go to Costco and go, man, Lord, thank you for these carrots. (laughs) 
thank you for this 50-gallon jar of mayonnaise, you know. <laughs> thank you for, right? No. I'm, I'm disconnected from this part of the prayer. I don't really think about God taking care of those basic needs. I think of me taking care of it. But what we're going to see this morning is that it's vital. It's vital in how we live that we understand that everything we have comes from God. Even the plasma television. The Bible says the earth and all that is in it is his. <laughs> Think about that concept for a second. The earth. I mean, could you imagine having your own planet? That would be very cool. You'd be Mormon, but the, <laughs> if you had your own planet, that's what they believe. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. It's just what they believe. But could you imagine? God looks down at the earth and he says, it's all mine. Every last atom in there is mine. It's kind of like, for those of you who have kids, I have three. And uh, have you ever seen them fight? Like they'll fight over the computer. Like it's my computer, my turn, my turn. No, it's my turn. It's my computer. <laughs> I bought it with my own money. So be gone and <laughs> go argue about something that you did because that's mine, right? Or, you know, they're fighting over the food. He took more, he did. You would not be eating if it was not for me, right? So now take that to an eternal level. And how much do I bicker and fight and grab and try to get everything I can and I say it's not fair and why did he get the raise and blah, blah, blah. And we're just like little kids. You know, how, how, you know they must work two jobs. I don't know how they can, can, can afford that car. Well, they must be up there, eyeballs and dead. Oh, wow, right? We're like little kids. And God is above going, it's all mine. And this takes into effect how we spend our money, how we, how we give back to God what is his. When I talk to people about tithing, I, I, and we're going to talk more about things in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. I really suggest you be here in two weeks. And next week too, but in two weeks <laughs> we're talking about that. But we're talking about things, possessions. And here's the thing. If you don't tithe, okay, and I told you, hey, God says give 10% of what you make to him. That feeling of like taking what we have now and going, wow, you mean I'm supposed to find 10% out of what I'm, <laughs> out of, have you seen my finances lately? But if you take a little kid and you start him out tithing and getting that mindset, that principle in, when they're your age or my age and they make just as much money as you or I do, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. People who got this principle down from being very young to now, it's just not an issue for them. They're not starving. They're being taken care of. It's just hard to go the other way. And what I want us to do in the next few weeks is to try and get an eternal mindset on material things, to understand kind of what they look like. So I'm going to give three things really quickly on how Jesus, how God sustains us uh, from this uh, Lord's Prayer. The first way he gives is he gives freely. He gives freely. 
give. That's the first part of give us this day our daily bread. Give. God gives to us freely. We don't have to buy. We, we, see, again, we think in terms down here. Yeah, well, I have to go and buy my food. That's not giving it to me freely. It is when you own the entire earth. <laughs> and you just happen to be using some bartering system, some monetary value. But God provides for his people. He gives freely. When I say, give us this day our daily bread, I'm saying, Lord, I know that you will take care of my every need because I'm your child. I give to my kids freely. I, 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 we provide food for them. We provide everything for them freely. Why? Because they're our kids and we love them. That's the relationship we have. And so we give uh, freely to them. In Matthew 5.42, it says, Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away him who wants to borrow from you. God gives to us and expects us to give to others. This is one of the reasons why we can have our daily bread. We have homeless people that come to our church uh, that are out of a, a job right now. doesn't make them any different than us. Homeless people are no different than you or I. Okay? They're no different. They're human beings with a, with a, made in the image of God. And so we try to give them bread because we're an extension of what God's doing. We want to give freely. God gives freely to us. The second thing is unconditionally. Give us this day our daily bread. Us. It's a corporate prayer. Not me. Give me. Lord, I pray your kingdom come. Now give me. <laughs> it's give us. It's a sense of community. Give us this day. It's unconditionally. I don't pray, Lord, give me my daily bread, but don't give that to him because he stole from me. No, it's, it's unconditionally. God gives unconditionally. Give us this day our daily bread. And the thing to understand is when, when you talk about in terms of God feeding people, we typically look to those countries where people aren't being fed and we go, well, what's going on? Well, that goes back to the verse before. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. People, we, the earth can sustain us all. God has all that in place easily. But because we're not allowing his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, governments are set up and people stop the flow of food. People hunger for power, all these things. But the nations that follow after godly principles, in other words, valuing people, those people are fed. Those nations that don't, uh, their people are not fed. But he gives to us unconditionally. Thirdly, he gives to us repeatedly. Give us this day our daily bread. This day our daily bread. This is essentially what it's saying. Give us today's bread today. That's the prayer. Give us today's bread today. Now, how much of my time is spent thinking about tomorrow's bread? And not just because I'm going out to dinner tomorrow or whatever. But tomorrow's, well, what about tomorrow? What about my retirement? What about my, when am I going to pay off the house? Right? How much of my time is spent thinking about tomorrow's bread? Remember when, they, when God fed the children of Israel in the desert? He fed, every day they got manna. And they'd go and they'd gather it up and that would be their bread for the day. If they tried to hoard it and save it, it would go bad. They had to wait for the next day. There was a principle that God was uh, starting there, telling these children of Israel, don't worry, I have it covered. 
repeatedly, day after day, they would get their bread. And then they said, well, we want some meat. And God's like, okay. (laughs) And the quail came. And uh, you'll have to read that part. It's pretty cool. And so we we pray for today's bread today. And you go, John, why are we taught? Okay, we got it. We got it. We got it. We, God takes care of us. We're not done yet. I want to keep hammering this point home because it's going to mean the foundation for us as we move forward. David says this in Psalm 37. When I was young, I was young and now I'm old. Wouldn't that be a bummer to have that in scripture forever? You having to write that out. I was young and now I'm old. Uh, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. See, there's a sense that the scriptures also say when the righteous prosper, uh, the land rejoices. When when God's taking care of his children and his children understand, I need my daily bread and then I'm going to share the rest, give us, and it's done repeatedly, there's an understanding, a kingdom-mindedness that we're going to be taken care of. We see it this way. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, you say, I got it, John. God takes care of my bread. Understand. Here's the thing. He goes right from there to forgiveness. Right from bread, the staple of life to keep us alive. And he jumps into forgiveness. Now, what, what, what in the world? Why would he do that? Certainly, he could be talking about more things other than that. Here's what I want us to see this morning. Bread is the staple food of the physical kingdom, and forgiveness is the staple food of the spiritual kingdom. Forgiveness is how we're sustained spiritually both forgiveness by God and how we forgive others. And Jesus ties it all in right here. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How does God give forgiveness? The same way he gives bread. Freely, unconditionally, and repeatedly. See how these two are beginning to connect? And they'll connect even more and more as we go along. Forgiveness is the staple food of the kingdom of God. It's how we become uh, God's children in being forgiven of our sins. It's a sin that disconnects us. And God gives us this, uh, once we admit this sin and we understand that it was Jesus that died for our sins, God gives us forgiveness freely, unconditionally, and repeatedly. The essentials of the Spirit is forgiveness. But we're emaciated spiritually because we refuse to forgive. We've got to get this down. Forgiveness is the staple food of the kingdom. And what ends up happening is we won't forgive. We choose not to forgive those around us. We receive it freely, but we don't distribute it. And there's an interesting principle in the scriptures that says God will forgive you as you forgive others. And you you go, wait a second, John, that doesn't make any sense at all because I know that I'm forgiven. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not of work. So I know he has to forgive me. 
But I want us to get a concept of just like in any other relationship, there's usually two things going on here. There's judicial forgiveness where God says, you're not guilty, you can spend eternity with me. And there's paternal forgiveness that says, you're in a lot of trouble right now, (laughs) right? I have my kids, I love them dearly. Okay, nothing they do is going to change the fact that they're my children and I love them. And they can live with me until they're 18 and then they are out of there as far as I'm concerned. Okay, (laughs) then I'm done. Okay, but so whatever they do, let's say they, oh, I don't know, (laughs) broke something in the house or hit their sister or brother or whatever. I'm still their father. I still love them. I still look past all that, but what begins to happen? I begin to get frustrated. Well, I don't because I'm very patient. Uh, So one gets very frustrated and they begin to discipline and focus on these things. And we can't get past this stuff in our relationship because it's there. And so it's like, but you're my dad. Well, fine. I understand that. That's that's the, there's a heavenly father part, just like we were talking. But there's also, hallowed be your name, dad. <laughs> hallowed be thy name, John. I like that. That's what my kids are going to start saying to me, right? But there's that sense. And so I want us to see this. That God gives to us freely, unconditionally, and repeatedly. But once we stop that flow of forgiveness back out, there's a separation with us in God. And I firmly believe that for unforgiveness is one of the easiest ways to completely destroy your spiritual life. We want to grow spiritually. We want all this stuff to happen, but we won't forgive other people. Jesus, uh, just as bread is essential for our physical bodies, forgiveness is essential to our spirit. I want us to see something real quick. In John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now we're starting to see a little bit more how this give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors is starting to tie in a little bit. As Jesus says, I'm the bread. Now, where is this in the scriptures? It's in John. But what's happened is it's after my favorite story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the feeding of the 5,000. I love that story because there's just so much rich stuff going on in there. We, we did that for a um, men's retreat. That was our topic a couple years ago. And we're probably going to end up doing a series on it uh, here. Um, but the idea, what happens is Jesus feeds the 5,000. And now they start following him all over the place because they're hungry. Because where's their mind? It's down here. And Jesus is like a little, like the roach coach that shows up and do, 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 do. You know, you ever work at a place like that where the, like right when you hear the sound, your like stomach starts growling. Anyone ever have a job where that thing shows up? Man, I did. They had this breakfast burrito they'd make. Whew. I'd like follow him all around town. Just wait till he stops somewhere. But that's how they see Jesus. They see him like, oh man, he fed us. This is awesome. And so they go up to him. Uh, He's kind of been, darting around they finally found him and they go oh you're here and he says you guys aren't following me because you saw a miracle you're following me because you want some more bread to be full 
Now listen, this is a great concept. Their eyes weren't on this kingdom. They didn't realize, I mean, they did realize that Jesus performed a miracle, but they weren't going to see this kingdom anymore. They wanted this kingdom. And so basically what Jesus is saying in this, in this Lord's Prayer is connect the two. Connect food, our desire for food, with our desire for God. We're going to be talking about this next week with fasting. Fasting is the connection between our physical life, this need that we have to have to live. When we fast, our stomach does what? It reminds us, you-hoo, you got to eat, dude, or you're going to die. My stomach reminds me a lot of that when I fast all the time. What's that supposed to trigger is, God, I need you more than food. Remember, Jesus said, my food is to do my Father's will. Jesus had it. They said, Jesus, eat something. He said, I've, I've got food that you don't know about. What? Did he go to the store? When we weren't looking, that's what they asked. Well, not quite that, but that's what they said to themselves. And Jesus says, no, my, I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. And so when we fast, and we'll be talking about this next week, when we fast, it's just that constant reminder, Lord, I need you more than anything. So what he's, this is what Jesus is trying to tell these guys at the feeding of the 5,000. And so he says, you, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Then he says this statement, which we all know, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Don't work for the food. Give us, give us today's bread today so that I can be sustained for his kingdom. And then he goes on to say, uh, they go on and say, uh, hey, what miraculous sign are you going to do to prove that you're who you are? Moses gave our forefathers manna to eat in the desert. They're bringing up the food again. And Jesus says, Moses didn't give them bread. My heavenly father did. And it came down from heaven. Then he says this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What did Jesus give us? Life through forgiveness. And some of us can't forgive because maybe we can't feel forgiveness. (laughs) It's kind of a catch-22. Maybe for some reason we feel like our lives is just a waste. And so we don't feel the forgiveness of God, so we can't forgive. Maybe some of us can't forgive, and so we don't feel God's forgiveness because there's a disconnect in our lives. I want you to think with me about people who've hurt you. Maybe it was a family member. Some parents that just did some horrible things. Or a coworker that talked behind your back. Or another student at school, somebody who cuts you off. Think, think about that. Who ticks you off right now? When you think about them, who makes you mad? What did they do? It might be some really horrible stuff. It might be something small. That's what I did this week. I was trying to think, who... Am I mad at? Who am I not forgiving? See, what happens is 
some of us are starving spiritually because we don't forgive. We can't get past that thing. Can I tell you, church? We have to. Forgiveness is our source of life with our Heavenly Father. Because we accept it freely, don't we? (laughs) We love mercy. Oh, Lord, I blew it again. Oh, I'm sorry. We love to feel that. But when it comes to giving it out in my own life, there's something blocking it. It's called my flesh. See, what happens is when we don't forgive, we set ourselves up as having higher standards than God himself. What happens is we say, God, God says, well, I, I hung on the cross for the sins of the world. Every sin you can imagine, the most brutal sins, and he's ready to forgive as long as we are faithful to ask him and we truly mean it, <laughs> right? But we say, yeah, but what they did to me, no, Mm-mm. it's too much. Your standard isn't good enough, God. You don't understand. That's essentially what we're saying when we don't forgive. And so that blocks the spirit of God being able to work in our lives. Because Jesus and throughout the scriptures, it says, look, you want to judge? Fine. That's the standard you want. We'll live your life according to that standard. And you let me know how that's working for you. You let me know when you're done with that. That's all it's saying. Is he still our heavenly father? Absolutely. But see, we need to think eternally. In eternity, he's my heavenly father, but act immediately. How, how's my relationship with him now? And unless we can get over this forgiveness, and I don't care how you have to do it, go to a counselor, go to your pastor, go read a book, whatever you need to do to help you get through that unforgiveness, do it immediately. Start working on that process. For some, the process takes a long time. I understand that. I'm not saying you just go, I'm happy about that person now. (laughs) Okay? For different people, it's going to be a different process. But man, many, many, many people I meet, they're dying spiritually. Their spiritual life stinks. And it's because of bitterness, lack of forgiveness. They don't feel close to God. And they're not close to God. Okay? Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Man, isn't there something... If you like feel like you forgive somebody, you feel like you're giving something up, like it's not fair, there's a sense of they're going to do it again. It's hard to give it up, isn't it? It's hard to lay it aside. But see, when we talk about sin, we talk about lust, we talk about materialism, we talk about gossip, we talk about all this stuff. But unforgiveness goes to the core of, of what Christ did on the cross. The core of it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and yet I can condemn that family member because I, that hurt my feelings. I can condemn that coworker because I was supposed to get that raise. I can condemn that student 
in school because they ridiculed me and the whole class laughed. And I'm going to get them for that. What happens is the Lord says, you know what? <laughs> we need to get past this before we can move on in your spiritual life. We have to figure out a way to get past this. So what do we do? First thing, we pray. We pray, we pray. This is what I love about the Lord's Prayer. What is Jesus praying? Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive, Lord, forgive me, please. And I want to extend that forgiveness to those around me. The actual prayer is the beginning of the healing. And then it goes on. If you don't forgive, your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. See, there's two ways God looks at us, okay? He has us here and he looks past our sin into eternity and says, you're mine. You're mine. Now, we can choose to reject him and squirm out and take off. He he says, you're mine. And he looks past all our sin. But then he also grabs our head and goes, okay, we need to talk. He doesn't just look at us and grab us by the cheek and go, you're the cutest little thing. That little materialism thing you got, go, go get them. Go get that BMW, you crazy, right? (laughs) He doesn't just grab us and go, so you got a little lust problem, huh? Oh, you are so cute. Go on, buddy. See, there's another part of God that looks and says, hey, stop it. I'm serious. There will be consequences. You're making a bad choice right now. Is he still our father? Absolutely. Who's in heaven? (laughs) Hallowed be his name. And this is the same thing that's going through here. Our daily bread so that we give. We receive forgiveness so that we can give it. And God says, I love you. I forgive you. You're my child. But this, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, those whom the Lord loves, he what? Disciplines. It says, nobody likes discipline for the short term. But those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so I would just implore us, myself included, to not let anything hold that back. I mean, when Jesus says something as strong as if you're not going to forgive someone else, your heavenly father's not going to forgive you. We can't just blow past it and go, well, but he does forgive me. It's by grace I've been saved. This is Jesus (laughs) telling us how to pray. As the uh, worship band returns, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time opening up the altars. I want to end with one more uh, story. Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, um, so really, how much should I really forgive? Like seven times, like seriously, if someone bugs me, like my my brother and my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, let's say, I love my mother-in-law, so I'm going to talk about my mother-in-law, but my mother-in-law, let's say she just bugs me all the time. I can't stand going over to her house. So I'm going to do a good job, and I'm going to have a happy heart. And she says something like, 
Well, that's why I told Lisa to marry Bob. He's making a lot more money than you, right? She's never said this, by the way, because Bob doesn't make any money at all. So uh, I'm actually doing okay. No. So and I forgive and I forgive and I forgive. And finally I go, you know what? I just can't stand it any longer. Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about the unforgiving servant. We've talked about this here before, but I want us to go over it again because it's very important. There's this guy who owes a king millions of dollars. And the king, he goes up and he goes on his knees and says, I I will repay. And of course, the king just knows he can't. I read one commentary on this. I thought it was pretty, pretty cool said the only way that slave could have gotten into that much debt, because how's a slave going to owe somebody $10 million? Is if he stole something, like a crown. He stole something and then went and sold it and then wasted the money, like on a bad investment or whatever. Jesus doesn't go into that, but I thought it was interesting of how much of the kingdom I've stolen and squandered away and still gone, oh, Lord, forgive me. I mean, literally, how much time I've been given for the kingdom that I've wasted. How much money I've been given, kingdom dollars I've been handed out that I've wasted, right? So it, it, was, it was good for me to look at it that way, that I've actually stolen from God's kingdom, <laughs> okay? So just bear with me. This is, I'm just, you guys don't do this. I'm just talking about me right now. And so, uh, and so he, he stole something, and so he goes to his king, and the king says, you're forgiven, And then the guy, he's free. I mean, what a feeling of freedom. And he goes out and he grabs someone that owes him about three months wages and he strangles him and chokes him and you owe me. Give me back my money. I'm going to put you in jail until you've paid me back. And that's what we do. We put him in jail until we feel like they've paid enough or they've actually really said, forgive me. I do it in my own life. And God says, be like the king. Let it go. Be free. Because that servant, he said, you're going to jail until you can pay back every last cent. Now, our heavenly father doesn't say, oh man, you didn't forgive, you're going to hell. That's it, you're done. But he says, you're in prison right now. We are in the